This week marks 75 years since the nuclear bombs were dropped on the cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki in Japan. While the bombs ended the Pacific War, the explosions devastated these cities, causing horrific damage and loss of life. This episode, we're looking at how World War II is depicted in Japanese animation, from historical retellings to personal accounts of the war. Let's get started. It's over 9,000! Configure the language logic interface for Japanese. Kawaii-Fi. Kawaii-Fi. Kawaii-Fi Radio. Kawaii-Fi. 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 Kawaii-Fi.
Mm-hmm. But um, if, you, if you're not aware, God of High School is one of uh, this year's Crunchyroll originals. So it's based on a Korean manhwa by... Um, manhwa. 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 <laughs> um, and um, I, I can't remember the guy's name. is uh, Junji Park? I sure. Th- I, th- I know his surname's Park here. Um, and um, it's, it's fantastic, this. Um, it's definitely deserving the anime adaptation. It's definitely getting the right treatment. It's chocked full of action and fun. And I mean, oh. last season we had uh, Crunchyroll's uh, sort of debut with uh, Tower of God. Mm-hmm. Similar kind of thing. It's like everyone's fighting for the chance to have a wish granted. Yeah, but what if you took Tower of God, gave it a better, more fleshed out setting, weirdly, ah, yes. had better, cooler characters, better fights, and the animation was 20 times better because well, I mean, this is so beautiful. I, I was going to say, that's what happens when you do go for a lesser-known studio for a production, you can't mm. always guarantee that top end. This is Mapper, Mapper! doing God of, God of High School. Mm-hmm. So My friends. It's, it's good. So, it's, yeah, it's good. If this trend keeps up, like, whatever Crunchyroll produces next is going to be woo, so well, good. We, we've got one for each... Um, Oh, actually, no, it's not one for each because technically we are in, it's past the middle of the year now. So we've had two this year. Mm. I thought we would have had three by now, but we've had two. But I look, mean, it's going to be one next. You know how it is. trying its Delays. best. It's doing so its best. Maybe not, maybe it was planned for this year, a yeah. third one. But Yeah. Um, but, Loz, you've been, you, you've taken up a challenge. I have. Black Clover? Look, okay, when Black Clover came out originally, I tried watching it along with so many other people and everyone dropped it so quickly because the first episode was so annoying. Mm. It's not a very strong kind of an intro, is it? Yeah, and Asta, the main character, is frustratingly annoying. And, you know, recently I was like, I just want something in the background while I'm like crafting and stuff like that. And I'm going to give it a try because uh, any Twitter, so people on Twitter mm-hmm. who tweet about anime, uh, anime they always call it any twit. Anyway, um, people <laughs> still quite enjoy Black Clover, it seems. So mm-hmm. I was like, ah, you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I started it again, and I couldn't handle Asta. And I realized it's actually his VA, his Japanese VA is really, really difficult to listen to. So yeah. I tried the dub, and the dub is really good. Ooh. Yeah. Really, really good. Mm. So, um. I'm really enjoying it. I'm up to like 32 episodes, I think. Um, it is a basic shonen. Yep. No surprises there. It's not remarkable, but it's not bad. Like particularly once you get past the first like awkward introduction that you have of a long series where you have to, there's all these new characters and there's all this new uh, world building you have to do and you, characters that is the main character, is always going to be a little frustrating because they're 15 years old and yeah. they're an yes. angry boy. They're an angry boy. Um, <laughs> but I actually really like Asta. Now we've kind of got to 30 episodes in. I actually hmm. think he's a better protag at the start than Naruto was at the start because Naruto oh, is quite def- annoying at the start when you first Naruto, watch Naruto. It, it, even like it took until, for, for me, I, I couldn't stand Naruto until Shippuden. Mm. And when that, he grows up a little bit, yeah, and that, that's bad. Like you shouldn't, yeah. you shouldn't watch. What was it like? Eight seasons. I mean, I kind of I love Naruto, and mm-hmm. like particularly like, the first, like the introduction to Naruto with the tune-in exams, like that. It's oh, yeah. so good, mm-hmm. but it's still like his main. He as a main character was still a bit difficult at the start. Mm. So I feel like Asta has the same thing, but he gets over it quite quickly. And his uh, main rival, so the Sasuke equivalent, uh, you know, uh, Asta and, Rav- and Yuno's rivalry is actually quite wholesome. They like respect each other and they want to push each other to do the best, but they also kind of want to beat each other. And it's nice as opposed yeah. to Naruto really 
wants to beat Sasuke and Sasuke doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm really enjoying it. So give it a try if you want like a new shonen I'm tryout. sold. I might have to take a look at it. Yeah, mm. as I said, it's like a solid 7 out of 10. It's not <laughs> remarkable, it's not bad. I still have to bad. finish Shippuden and I... So once I do that, oh, then Oh, you haven't finished Shippuden. No, I put it off. Oh. I wanted to wait for it to be done and then binge it. Oh, it's it done. And then, and <laughs> it's then, been done and for then, a while. Oh, I know. Because I've got all of um, Boruto to watch as well, but I'm not sure if I'm going to go down that well yet. Um, but um, we do need to talk about what this episode is about, and it is going to be a little bit more serious than usual um, because we are talking about war. It's um, kind of a heavy subject. Yeah, so this week is the 75th anniversary of the United States dropping the two nuclear bombs on Japan in 1945. That marked the end of the Pacific War and thus the end of World War II. So we're looking at how the war has impacted the way Japan talks about war in its storytelling and in particular anime. So how mm. they then adapt these themes, how they share their tales, because when you compare it to the way German media does it, mm -hmm. it's very different. Um, and you know that depending on your stance, that could be a good thing or a bad thing. I think uh, every country that participated in the war, so that would be every country, kind of has <laughs> their own sort of like perspective, their mm. own way of talking about it collectively. Mm. And it's interesting to see those perspectives. Mm. Well, like in particular, when I started looking into uh, researching for this episode, I actually thought there would be a lot more bias mm. coming from the Japanese perspective. Obviously, the creators of anime are Japanese. So mm -hmm. I was like, well, like uh, they're going to obviously produce content that is got a lot of bias perhaps towards the US obviously because of the bombings but now after watching a few things and like going into a lot of these series it's actually not that at all and I was mm. really um, really pleasantly surprised to see uh, most of the stories are featured on looking at the civilian perspective and you know the tragic loss of life mm. and such like that as well and even most things are actually quite neutral mm. um, which is really nice yeah. I think um, so yeah I was really pleasantly mm. surprised so look if, if you are one of our listeners on YouTube and you don't currently have YouTube Premium we realise it might be a bit difficult to listen to us on there um, we're also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts as well so you can always jump over on there and if you're enjoying what you're hearing make sure you hit that subscribe button because we'd love to have you on board but before we do get into the main topic let's talk about the news making headlines really anime news Well, it's time to have a look at what's been going on in the world of anime and manga the past fortnight, and let's start... Uh, they're, they're both going to be a little strange, I'm sorry. Uh, strange how? Attack on Titan, the children's book. Uh, oh my god. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. When you told this to me, I, literally, I was like, you are joking, this doesn't exist. It does. What? And it does, and I just... It's so, so wild. Attack Japan loves Attack, Attack on Titan uh, too much. Uh, <laughs> it, it's a Attack on Titan is releasing a new children's book called Attack Detective Armin Pass the Regimental Entrance Exam. Yep. Um, the book features Armin, Mikasa and Eren solving mysteries while they defeat the Titans. Um, <laughs> who, I know. Who asked for this? Like, they Someone. love they love it. They love Attack on Titan so much. I mean, granted, but Attack on Titan is like so hardcore. It is. Like, it really is. Well, maybe that's good then, because all the kids are wanting to get into Attack on Titan, and then you can be like, you can't watch the actual series, but here have this cute book. Oh, it's but a maybe? Bit, it's sort of chibi looking. Yeah. So. But oh, that's that's kind of wrong somehow. It is. Yeah. 
Oh, it is very wrong. That's... Um, the, here's the synopsis as well. So Armin has always dreamed of solving mysteries with his childhood friends. All three of them take the test to enter the Attack Detective Regiment. So are they attacking detectives? It's I don't not a very know. good... Like, I know that's obviously <laughs> synopsis, our translation. The synopsis but... is very... <laughs> Vague. All I can think is like the like 1800s Sherlock Holmes with the uh, omni omnidirectional gear going. Good Lord, Watson, look at this Titan. Yes, <laughs> essentially. I'm into yeah. that. I'm, I'm down for. Do that. they have the Sherlock hat though? Yes. <laughs> um, Armin, uh, from memory, Armin has a Sherlock hat, but not in the same oh tartan my. style. Oh God! I would oh. think sarcastic. Um, and he's got a magnifying glass. Oh jeez. For what? You don't need a magnifying glass to see a Titan. It's very, very big. Kenny, it's kind <laughs> of a, the name. But, but Kenny, look, tracks. The Look tracks are huge. The fingerprint. The fingerprint's <laughs> the size of a table. <laughs> oh, my. Um, we don't have a release date on this. We don't know if it's getting a Western release, just, but I want to know. It's like having an animated Titanic movie aimed at kids. They did two of them and they were awful. Uh, uh, what? what? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, you forgot gosh. about them. I yeah. forgot about... Actually, there was three. Three. So there's Titanic and then there's Titanic 2, 3, and 4. We're going to have to show you something horrible after this. I don't want to know. Yeah, I don't, just, you, I don't want to know. You don't need it. Um, yeah, okay. On to, on, no on to yeah, I want to hear more about this. this something equally strange. Splinter Cell, the anime. Wow. Huh. Yep. So we haven't heard anything official out of Japan, but Variety Magazine is reporting that Netflix and Ubisoft have teamed up to produce a anime mm. and yes that that is within quotation marks you can an hear anime the air quotes series based on the tom clancy's splinter cell franchise now Derek kolstad is the head of this he is the creator of john wick that's good so that's a good mm. thing um he's writer and executive producer for the series he's also currently working on a live action adaptation of the hitman stealth games and an adaptation of the just cause video <laughs> games as well wait a second okay uh. but just cause all i know about just cause from what i've played a little bit of is you basically like i don't know you steal a helicopter and you fly it into the bed like yeah. you just do whatever the hell you want it is a yep. very very so random how, kind of chaotic game how are you going to make a live action of so, that hitman i understand so got just a story. just cause does have a story but it is so open world that it's very hard from um, unless you actually pour hundreds of hours into it, you, it i don't think it's easy to follow hey hey carl yeah why does it have a story be because it needs to no, have No, just end. cause. Oh, my gosh. Oh. That was, that was the, oh. Come on. I, d I oh, handed that, that to you on a silver platter. I'm going to do it again. Hey, Kenny. Yeah? Why do you think it has a story? I don't know. Oh, my God. Okay. I quit. Is it just cause? No, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on. All right. Let, 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 let's talk about um, what we always have to do. Quick update on the delays due to the coronavirus. Um, we are seeing less and less production delays, which is good, but mm. there have been other delays, mostly conventions of so course. firstly uh anime weekend atlanta has cancelled this year's convention but will still hold an online event in october and similarly anime nebraska con has also cancelled its events now both of these conventions are rolling over their tickets sold for this year's con to next year's con so oh. if you bought a ticket for the 2021 you get your ticket moved to the 2021 con. that's fantastic yep. that is very good so that's them. good um they're all offering um online conventions instead for free mm. and offering refunds for those who can't attend the new ones there was like an 
an online uh, convention last week. There was like Crunchyroll Expo yep. online as well. I missed it. Did any of you guys? No, any um, of those but events? there's still more coming from the yeah, Crunchyroll. Yeah, it's really so, cool. Yeah. Like I like that they've got all this uh, content for people to access. A online. lot of uh, a lot of different groups doing that now, especially mm-hmm. uh, video game ones. Uh, oh, TennoCon yeah. was only a few days ago. Yeah, cool. that was a that was a big one. Yeah, yeah. Um, the J Rock Band Scandal have also delayed their tour of North America. That's been pushed back by a entire year to November 2021. Um, that's the all-girl rock band and they've performed themes for Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood, Bleach and Star Driver and have had a lot of chart-topping hits as mm-hmm. well in Japan. So, good on them. Um, production IG's upcoming film Shikano, also known as The Deer King. This has been delayed from its planned September release this year. Um, it's not clear if this is due to the virus or other circumstances, but the timing seems suspiciously virus-like. So, <laughs> you know... Um, but uh, the studio and its distribution partner Toei have not given that immediate reason and we suspect Attack on Titan's final season may be delayed because mm-hmm. MAPPA have removed the release date for the new season from their website and now just says 2020. There's um, yeah. all kinds of rumours so I yeah. think it might be the case. I mean, so. fair. They've got so much on their plate mm-hmm. with God of High School. God of High School. <laughs> um, so that's the bad news. Down for the good news. So Pokemon's upcoming 23rd film, Pokemon... Pokemon Coco, um, Coco being the name of the character that shows up in it. Um, this is going to open on December 25th in Japan after being delayed from July. And similarly, Fate Grand Order, the movie Divine Realm of the Round Table Camelot. Yes, that is the, <laughs> that is the, f- the full uh, name. I have nothing further to add. <laughs> has announced it will head to cinemas on December 5th after being delayed from August this month. And upcoming Mecha Girls anime, Assault Lily Bouquet, has announced it will now premiere in October as part of the autumn <laughs> anime season. What? That's a title. <laughs> Assault once, once Lily Bouquet. It is a mixed multimedia project, no. apparently. No. Yeah, I know. You You know it's going to be bad. Does that mean it's got live action parts as well? Because no, that's always no. wild. Does it mean it's going to have idols? Like I don't, idol I don't think so. From mm. from everything I've heard so far, think Neon Genesis for Girls I is, mean, is essentially the way people have described it online. Hey, Trippy. Kyle, yeah. Girls can watch Neon Genesis. Girls can definitely watch <laughs> Neon Genesis. No, I'm being, I'm being mean. Um, um, but, but yeah. Like, but you, you know how like they say cure, like... but with mechs. Well, you, you know how like there's like Dragon Ball and they call Inuasha Dragon Ball for girls. They do? That, yeah, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Um, huh. the, the same sort of thing. So where, where it's the same premise, but tailored more towards the... Uh, instead of being tailored towards, say, a shonen mm-hmm. audience, it's tailored more towards a sign, yeah. you know, yeah. or a... That's kind of cool because, yeah. yeah, most of the, the young girl anime is, is always that kind of magical girls. So yeah. it's kind of cool that they're having a mech thing for a change. Mm-hmm. I'm into that. Yeah, I prefer variety among that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. But we do need to have a look at what else has been going on in the world of anime news the past fortnight. Well, anime studio arms have officially declared bankruptcy after 24 years in the industry. The studio was founded in 96 and originally focused on supporting other studios such as Studio Perot, later expanding into adult anime productions and original series. Arms was best known for his production of series Elfin Leard, Iki Tucson and Queen's Blade, along with collaborating on a wide range of projects with other studios. A new My Hero Academia OVA is also on the way. It's heading to streaming services, including Funimation, from August 16th. The original episode takes place just before the provisional Pro Hero license exam and features the students of Class A1 practicing disaster relief scenarios. Also, Inuyasha's spin-off series, Yasha Hime, Princess Half-Demon, has also unveiled its first trailer with an October release date planned. 
The series will focus on the daughters of Seshomaru and Inuasha, with time travel a prominent part of the story. Also, Animal, Animal School series Beastars has announced its second season is heading to Japanese screens in January 2021. The announcement was made in the manga series 20th volume, but there's no word on whether a Netflix international release is happening like with the first season just yet. And a third season of Magical Girl series Yuki Yuno is a Hira is on the way being announced during a live stream for the franchise's fifth anniversary. The new season is called The Great Full Blossom Arc, with staff from both the first and second season returning to produce the anime at Studio Gokumi. And there's also an OVA on the way for Otaku rom-com series Watakoi, Love is Hard for an Otaku. A limited edition version of the manga's upcoming 10th volume will be bundled with an original anime disc that's due for release in 2021. And there's been a mass exodus from Crunchyroll's streaming platform this weekend, with 77 anime being removed, all owned by Sentai Filmworks. The list doesn't contain too many big-name animes, but it does mean you won't be able to watch Rosen Maiden, Pie Brain, Sakura Cryptrick, or Bodacious Space Pirates anymore. You can find the full list of everything being removed on our Instagram and Facebook pages. Staying with the streaming services, Funimation has added Sailor Moon R the Movie and the Berserk anime films to its international catalogue, along with the Hunter x Hunter to its US and Canadian services. It's also added K-On and Love, Chinubio and Other Delusions anime to the UK and Ireland listings. And retro streaming service Retro Crush is adding seven new anime to its series, including Metabots and Arcadia of My Youth. Heading over to the bookshelves, the Beastars manga is about to head into its final arc in the coming issues. The weekly Shonen Champion magazine says the series was now right before its climax. Also coming to an end is rom-com series Orosuke, Are You the Only One Who Loves Me, with its next chapter due to end on August 23rd as its last. And fantasy war series Saga of Tanya the Evil will end its first part this month as well. The manga's 20th compiled volume is due to ship out on December. We're waiting to hear if there's going to be a break between part one and two. Mystery manga series Hyoka is heading on hiatus. This is due to the author's poor health. The series has not announced a return date for the manga yet because creator Takayoshi is recovering from an illness which has not been revealed. And the Drifters manga has returned after a seven-month hiatus with its first new chapter since December 2019 landing this week. And a juggernaut is coming to an end, with Shonen Jump teasing the One Piece manga is heading towards its final arc, with the franchise's own magazine saying readers should reread the manga to prepare for the climax. Just very quickly in dub news, there's an English dub in the works for The Demon Girl Next Door, which is with Sentai Filmworks producing it, and Funimation have added the first 12 episodes of Sword Art Online Alicization's dub this week as well. And that's your anime news for the week ending August 9, 2020. Okay, before we move on from news, I just want to mention this thing because it's mm. super cute and I'm really excited about it. Um, if you're a Haikyuu fan and you don't read the manga and you don't want spoilers and you haven't heard anything on Twitter or anything, uh, skip forward like 30 seconds. But um, if you do, this is really cool, is one of the main characters uh, in the final chapter has been put on the Argentinian, uh, Argentinian Olympic team mm. and then the Argentinian like volleyball players have been like tweeting about it, like the actual yeah. players, <laughs> and they made him like a... A jersey that's got the character's name on it and oh. he's like listed as an official player on their website oh, like that is so cool he's, and there's like argentinian like news articles about like this this anime character is now part of our team and it's really cute oh. <laughs> well haiku fans you know exactly <laughs> what you're in for it's so sweet <laughs> we'll be right back after this kawaii radio 
anime history. Yes, it is time to have a look at the history of animation and war. And this is by no means a light topic. Um, so we, we will be serious, we will be focused, and we will have a, we've done a, quite a lot of research and uh, watching of shows over the past few weeks to kind of get ourselves up to date on this. And there's actually quite a lot out there. So, um, Loz, I think you've got a, a couple of notes you want to run us through first. Yeah, um, so I did uh, Asian Studies and History as my major in my undergrads, so this is, is pretty important to me. I'm also a qualified history teacher, so mm-hmm. ta-da, this is what I like talking about. Um, but yeah, I wanted to look into uh, how Japan has explored World War II in particular in anime, um, considering how impacted they were um due to the bombings in yeah. Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And the reason why I wanted to do it for this episode is because on this, uh, the 6th and on the 9th were the bombings in August, and that was 75 years ago this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I was supposed to be in Hiroshima for the anniversary. I really wanted to attend a, a ceremony yeah. there. But, of course, COVID, um, that yep. is what it is. So I kind of wanted to, uh, I guess, not celebrate's not the right word, but... Honour honour what happened Mm. in kind of my own little way. So I I brought that to these guys and they were super keen to do that. Um, Yeah, so we've looked at a few different types of series and we've come across a few themes that we've identified have been through most of these different shows and we found that they kind of fit into different pockets and that's ones that are realistic depictions of the war and then most of the other series are really focused on the uh, personal trauma and like the emotional journey Mm. of civilians who are affected by what happened yeah Yeah. now there's quite we we were surprised because there's quite a lot out there and it is obviously focused a lot of it does focus around the world wars um understandably so it's kind of an inescapable part of their history Mm. it's Mm -hmm represented a massive but, change but, but that does then translate into different aspects of their storytelling so whether that is their you know fantasy war settings and so on there's a very different style of storytelling from what we see from western stories mm-hmm. um so uh, i think we'll start off with one that we we literally managed to find just before this episode which is a world war Two anthology called the cockpit um, and it's all about jets, essentially. Like it's it's three OVAs, um, and they're based on the Matsumoto Leiji manga Battlefield. And it's written and directed by three incredible directors from Japan. Um, and oh, it's it's just amazing. And yeah, I, we were pretty much just going to maybe watch a little bit and then be like, oh, this is a cool representation. Go watch this if you look like mm. it. And then we put it on and we would transfix. And we just like, uh, well, we're going to record later because we really want to watch this. Uh, I couldn't stop watching. It, it was, was amazing. beautifully animated. The music was amazing and it was just fantastic. Uh, before we move on talking about each of the OVAs, um, I did want to mention something that you said, and mm-hmm. that is it's uh, based on Leiji Matsumoto's manga. And mm-hmm. if you know that name um, from maybe Spaceship Battleship, uh, Space Battleship Yamato, mm-hmm. uh, Galaxy Express 39, or Captain Harlock. So he is a big uh, OG director for oh, yeah. a lot of original anime and manga. Very so. sci-fi oriented. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it is interesting that he's kind of taken this on hand instead and decided to do something quite different to what he normally does. Because normally it's trains in space. 
trains in space. I yeah. love Galaxy Express. I love Galaxy Express. Or <laughs> pirate ships in space. Oh yeah, or pirate ships in space. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so look, um, th- these there's three films here. Um, they all have a different story to t- be told from a different point of view. Um, the first one is Slipstream, which um, oh, and this this um, anthology came out in 1993, so it is a little hard to get hold of, but I believe you can buy it through YouTube Red mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and also on uh, Apple Store as well. Um, it's the first one, Slipstream, follows a German Luftwaffe pilot on his mission to protect Germany's trump card, the world's first atomic bomb. Mm. Um, now, it's not about saying, oh, Germany made an atomic bomb before anyone else or anything like that. It's about showing the, I, I guess you could say, the dilemma that many people fa- uh, faced during the wars. You know, is this okay? Is this, you know, have we gone too far with this? Like the, the nukes on um, that were dropped on Japan, obviously, were immediately afterwards everyone, whoa, you know, that was too much. Yeah. Sort of thing. So it, it kind of explores the, you know, the dilemma that these people are feeling. They're, they're essentially flying... Um, and uh, escorting this plane, which has yeah. got a nuke on it, to a, a place for uh, it to be launched from, and they're trying to decide whether or not they should let it get there. Mm, um, it, it's amazing. Yeah, this was beautiful. Um, something that you mentioned, Kenny, was the use of silence in and in opposition to their use of this uh, really cool battle music that was mm. in the background. But then there were these quiet scenes where it's just the the character talking to someone else or having this internal monologue that was yeah about this moral dilemma of I fight for my country because it's honorable and that's what I should do and that's why I'm here versus I don't know if I can actually do this and it was it was beautiful and, and the writing yeah. the internal monologue mm. for the, the pilot the, the is script just... even for the dub like the translation was exceptional oh yeah we yeah so we watched the dub for these three and the the dub was really good mm-hmm. um each each one mm. of them the script was really nice uh the writing was excellent um they had accents as well which i really enjoyed yeah. they had the german accent and he was without really going good. too over the top of it as well like yeah. it's mm. like i expect if we had uh, a couple of germans sitting with us in the studio while they we were watching like it, it just like that sounds awful <laughs> I, I probably did a, tor- a terrible one just there <laughs> <laughs> but no it, it was nine nice nine speckles in deutsch nine, nine. oh nine. <laughs> wow <laughs> um the uh second one in the anthology was the sonic boom squadron also known in its english translation which was sonic Thunder Attack Team. Which sounds like a really cool mecha series. It does, doesn't <laughs> it? Um, this is actually a story from the perspective of a Japanese Oka pilot. That's the Cherry Bomb Manned Bombs. Um, the that kamikaze were, pilot. Yeah, yeah, because they they had like the X-1 kamikazes and then they also had the Cherry Bomb Okas as well, which were literally dedicated bombs. You were riding a rocket and it was using the person to manually guide it as opposed to being computer guided. Mm. Um, And the pilot was a rocket engineer before the war and his perspective is really interesting because Mm. he's talking about, you know, how like, you know, if I had have stayed in my field for the next 20 to 30 years, I would have been launching a man to the moon sort of thing. Like that's the passion I have. But I'm now sitting here inside my own coffin Literally, he said at one point. Yeah, that's what he says. He's like, this is the coffin that I sit in. And, you know, ready to go and sacrifice myself for the country. It's just bloody heavy stuff. Yeah, it's really really hard to watch these internal monologues and these people struggle with this uh, back and forward of what do I do. But these anime OVAs present it so well that it's just, it's captivating. Um, And these these OVAs are only like 20 minutes each. They're only like episode length. So they're not Mm. too long, which is great. And they really 
go to the point quite quickly. And it was the great thing about this story is you kind of got a two-sided perspective of yeah. the whole thing. You got mm. the Japanese pilots and then you got uh, the American Navy. Mm. And nobody seemed particularly happy about this whole war. No, People were so... Yeah regretful on both sides that was my favorite thing Mm. and obviously i don't want to spoil too much i do want people to watch this like if you're a history buff if you like Mm. a military series even if you don't and you just enjoy maybe a really personal story i really recommend retro anime yeah yeah. absolutely but um at the end there's there's this part where the um the military uh, the american military um naval officer is just so overwhelmed and kind of just sad about mm. finding out about the bombing of Hiroshima as well. And he's like, we've all gone too far. Like, this is too much. Mm. Um, and I found that a, a really haunting moment. Mm. Yeah. And then that brings us to the third one, which was, th- this was much less of a, well, okay, this one didn't have any planes in it. I, sorry, the, the cockpit in this case is referring to a motorbike. Mm. Um, but it's called Knight of the Iron Dragon, or in English, The Steel Dragoon. Um, and it tells the story of two Japanese soldiers in late in the Philippines as they attempt to keep a promise to some of their colleagues. Um, but essentially, it's two guys who um, are fighting you know, on the front lines down there, and then the island they're on, the airfield, gets attacked. And they, they said that they'd go back to the airfield to help you know, um, bring reinforcements and so on. Um, it's a beautifully told tale and mm. it's so – you almost forget after a couple of minutes in after like the initial um, – because initially there's like a attack and then after that it feels a lot less like you're watching something in a war zone and more like you're watching almost like a buddy cop moment. <laughs> mm. um, it was wonderful. It's, it's really quite heartfelt the mm. way they've told this story. I was really worried going into this particular episode when I read the um, the summary of it because it's in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. And obviously uh, what the Japanese did in mm-hmm. the Pacific War in the Philippines was awful. And the fact that they're actually setting a setting something in the Philippines was already quite surprising to me. Mm. Um, but that even that just shows that the director really wanted to c- confront that kind of part of history. Mm. When they start confronting what they did in China, then we'll really talk. But, you know, that's Yeesh. for another time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so I was really interested in how they do that. And the start of this was actually quite uh, comedic. It kind of almost felt like a war story from an Australian perspective, which yeah. always kind of goes into the, the the mateship and the larrikin kind of soldiers that we had. And that was really cool. I really enjoyed mm. that. There was a certain familiarity to those yeah. countries, wasn't there? Yeah, I think particularly for us here in yeah. Australia, um, listening to those kind of stories. And then it was talking about, yeah, these, these two guys, and it is sad that you lose your friends and such like that when these people are obviously fun and they love life and they want to keep living it. And yeah, yeah it was it was a refreshing story. It was. Um, now, all three of these are part of that anthology called The Cockpit. Um, it was released in 1993. Um, as, as we've mentioned, like incredible directors um, behind all, all of them. Um, I think you've got the list of directors. Lost. Yeah. So something that's really cool, um, particularly with number one, and I want to focus on number one in particular, Slipstream, because that was mm. just my personal favorite. Mm. But that's done by Studio Madhouse. So we always love a Madhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also directed by um, Yoshiaki Kawajiri. Yeah. Mm. Um, so he's really important because he directed like Ninja Scroll and mm. a bunch of other really Ooh. big like OG uh, late 90s, early noughties stuff. So he's a real big director. Mm. And the other two, um, they're definitely not unknown directors. They're both still very big directors as well. But uh, small studios like Jackom and Visual 80, 
but um, yeah, just they've definitely brought some big guns in to make this a collaboration story, which is they really have, cool. Which is really good. Now, we're going to quickly um, dip over into a series which is called Zipang. Now, I hadn't heard about this before we started doing our research, and now I can't wait to watch it. So, Zipang is a 26-episode series that back in 2004 by Studio Dean, and it's, um, it's a bit different. So... The synopsis for it is Mirai is an improved Congo-class Aegis-guided missile destroyer. It's one of the newest and most advanced ships in the entire Japanese self-defense force. And while running scheduled training exercises one day with the U.S. military, Mirai encounters a fierce storm that throws the navigation systems in temporary disarray. After a few minutes of recovery, the crew is shocked to discover they've been transported back in time to June 4, 1942, the Battle of Midway during World War II. So the story... um, follows the crew of this ship letting history take its course for that battle and managing to avoid any conflict firsthand and they make a vow to remain anonymous and change as little bit of the history as possible they want to avoid obviously influencing how history plays out for a change in a time travel series i know however when the crew comes across the dying lieutenant commander kusaka takumi Katatawo's instincts, the captain, leads him to save lives. His instinct to save lives just takes Mm -hmm. over, basically. And he changes the course of history more than he could have imagined. Um, They end up, you know, bumping into the battleship Yamato and all these other, you know, famous figures from that period. Um, And the story is fascinating. Mm. Um, It's like the fact that they're willing to go through and look at the history, knowing, you know, that they're going to have to confront some of the bad things they did as well as part of it is it's it's pretty brave yeah mm-hmm. absolutely i'm really sad i didn't get to watch this because it's just what an interesting premise yeah like i i have never heard of it it just slipped through my radar and like 2004 yeah. studio dean that was at its prime like yeah. that's when like original from alchemist was coming yeah. out as well like that's i think really that actually solid. might have been uh like why we didn't hear yeah. about that because <laughs> we had possible. like such huge other contenders there's a lot of anime out there which are just underrated silent classics like that i think we're going to have to maybe run an episode on that later mm, lost classics or something like that Ooh. i like that idea um now let, let's quickly um dip into the other side of the equation instead of realism with um like the, these are historically accurate but there are more emotional themes they're trauma personal themes you know, individual stories about experiences throughout the war and how they're you know particular towns or people recovered from it or injuries they sustained and i mean we we can't talk about world war ii without talking about grave of the fireflies yeah absolutely not um now we've we have already done an episode on grave of the fireflies um so we won't spend too long dwelling on it happy Um, not to dwell on it (laughs) because grave of the fireflies is is a heart wrencher um and you know, like, in the first 10 minutes of that film, you know exactly what you're in for because they show the end before then going back and show you how they got there. Um, and it really does show you the, the difficulties that Japan was having during the war because of their decision to go to war. Um, the food shortages, the issues they were having with housing because during World War II, a lot of Japanese houses were still made of just wood. Um, so firebombing, for instance, was a viable option for attacking enemies they didn't have to use you know large weapons of mass destruction at that point they could just get away with you know dropping flares essentially um and grave of the fireflies starts from uh in march um of 1945 with a firebombing of kobe um and then shows you know people moving away from there and how they tried to survive and unfortunately the end the ending is quite sad it does result in people dying um 
as you would expect with a war drama. Um, mm. But it's it's one of those rare films that I think, t- to be honest, if you like anime and you care about um, understanding the history of people and why we have things such as the Geneva Convention, this is a very important film to watch. Absolutely. And even if you know nothing about World War Two, you know nothing about Japanese history, that's fine. Grave of the Fireflies is just a beautiful film. And uh, the late um, Takahara, mm. um, and he is just... Takahata was a fantastic director, he and was. unfortunately, he passed uh, what last year, year before. Uh, last, last two years, um, and I mean this this film was, I believe, his best. Mm. Um, and a part of Studio Ghibli, obviously, is Grave of the Fireflies as well, and it really just showcases how you can tell a story that is so personal about something so tragic, you can get so much from it. Indeed, I believe Takahata actually had first-hand experience with the bombings. Well, he, he had first-hand experience, um, his family at least did, during it. Um, but the story itself is based on a novel and the writer who wrote it um, used his sister's experiences and their children's experiences along with other family friends to create this account. So it's not a, it's not like autobiographical, but it takes from people's yeah. true stories and and connects them into an, a flowing narrative. Yeah, like I, I definitely would recommend it to anyone. But mm. also, I've only seen it once, mm. I, and it was about maybe eight years ago. But I can also tell mm. you exact everything that happens in that it's, movie it's because it so was memorable. so it's beautifully memorable. It is one of those things that you only do have to see once, and you do have to see it. After that, though, it's a bit tricky. Yeah, it leaves, <laughs> it leaves you feeling quite hollow inside because you're just like well humans suck (laughs) yeah and and this was you know released as a double feature with my neighbor totoro so which is wild to me like i'm never gonna get over that you finish watching totoro and you're like i feel so happy and warm inside and they're like cool kate here's the second part of the double feature war we're gonna take that happy feeling away from you see it should have been the other way around because totoro is quite uplifting but (laughs) um okay barefoot jen Oh God! Now this this is not one we can say. Okay, first first things first. We realise this is a tricky subject um, Mm -hmm. for all ages, but if you're under eighteen, fifteen, barefoot Jen might be quite confronting for you. So just so you're aware, if you're over eighteen, this is going to be quite confronting for you. This is a very full on film. Um, but Barefoot Jen is... Gen, Gen. Gen, mm-hmm. Gen. I, I keep going to call it Barefoot Generation, but <laughs> it's not what it is. Um, it's like, you know, something something else, like it's shonen as. You know um, what? It could, like, the Barefoot Generation would also work because mm. it's about um, Gen and what happens to him and his friends and mm. it's that generation trying their best to do deal with what happens. So, you know mm. what? And it, it takes place right in the heart of Hiroshima and... Yeah. Um, it's... It's pretty full on. Um, I think you've got a couple of notes on it, Loz. Yes. Um, I'm not going to go too much on yeah, it. I, yeah, I don't want to um, go too too deep into all of this. There is so many we will talk about. But I would highly recommend if you are interested in a... This is... I mean, it's hard to recommend this. But if you want to see a very graphic depiction of what the bombings did to people when they fell, this is the thing to watch yeah. um, in terms of uh, animated. In fact, actually, I would think it would be up there regardless of animated and um, actual doc- documentaries as well. Um, you can find it on YouTube quite easily. Yeah. Um, and it is, yeah, it's very graphic, very extreme. And after that scene where they show you what happened with the bombings, you've got this story about Gen and his friends and how they're alone and they're trying their best to 
keep going through um, through life from here. Um, so it is a very heartfelt series, but mm. um, yeah, it does come with a big, big old trigger warning on mm-hmm. bad stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, moving on, The Wind Rises. Um, this is one that I haven't actually got around to watching yet. A recent it? Miyazaki one, and mm. no, I've heard the music. Okay, but allow me. <laughs> yes, please do. Wind Rises is uh, is beautiful, and along with uh, Pocoroso as well, um, and also we mentioned Grave of the Fireflies. These movies are all bring uh, the war from a different perspective. So The mm. Wind Rises is about a engineer who's working on planes. We all know that Miyazaki loves his planes mm-hmm. and flying instruments. And it's, it's a guy who's making a firefighter aircraft, so to be used in World War II. And although it doesn't really talk about the war <gasps> itself, it's talking about people involved in the war kind of in the background. And it's more about Jiro, this, this man who how he's living through his life and what happens to him and how it affects him personally. Um, it's quite fantastical in, in only the way Miyazaki can be oh, when, yeah. when he's, when Jiro's thinking about the war and such like that as well. Um, it is, again, it is quite heartfelt and it is also quite sad. Um, so bring the tissues for this one as well, but it is, it is a beautiful film. It was nominated for um, best Academy award for best mm. uh, movie. Of course it was beat out by frozen as that came ah. out the same year. Ah. <laughs> I still believe this should have one because yep. it's a beautiful film um so yeah along with grave of the fireflies and wind rises absolutely we'll be back in just a moment to talk about war in the wider context of anime wi-fi radio anime history all right so we are still talking about war in animation and we're talking this kind of in a wider context at this point so we've got to start off with a parody Look. Which I know at this point just feels a little bit... Kind of a jump, yeah. A bit of a jump, but you can't not talk about the relationships between countries without thinking about Hetalia, <laughs> which uh, is a yes. very... It's Look, strange. It's Wow. Okay, how do I, how do I mention Hetalia? I was someone who was so deep into the Hetalia fandom when it was <laughs> out that I kind of felt like, look, I have to talk about Hetalia because I was there and I remember what it was like. But um, It sounds like a war in and of it itself. It was, uh, basically. So, look, Hetalia, if you've never heard of it, is basically they took the countries and made them personified and used... Uh, basically like strengths and weaknesses of those countries to make their personalities. Mm. So like mm. France is very flamboyant and then like Japan and China are both, uh, you know, they have quite a strict honor code, for example, mm. like they're, they're basically racial stereotypes, but they are, <laughs> you know, it, it's taken in a light fluffy manner and it is quite cute. Um, that being said, it, when they're talking about like the war and stuff like that, it's kind of weird to be like, this is, Germany and this is Japan and yeah. they're friends and now they're fighting against USA and France yeah. and England and yay. And it's, it's a very it's strange a bit, way to yeah. bring that conflict across. I think the idea was good, but I think it just went a little too far. Also because it's also written by someone who is Japanese. It's also like, mm. yeah, so it takes takes some racial stereotypes and does go a little too far with them, but it was lighthearted and fun. And look, as an older person now, I can see the flaws, but back in the day, boy. Um, but it was really boy, popular. Howdy. It was really popular. Um, there was multiple series. There's four different series um, hmm. from 2009 to 2015 and like one movie as well. And wow. they're just short little five-minute 
uh, episodes, so you can just bop on YouTube and watch a bunch of them. So if I'm to get this right, each mm. nation is represented as a standalone kind of a character. Yep, absolutely. Was there an Australian one then? There was. It was only in the manga. Oh. Um, and unfortunately not Indigenous, but whatever. And oh. uh, basically looks like um, looks exactly like the character of England because they're like England's little brother. Cause <laughs> Colonialism That's a bit and had a little cork hat. I was going to say, if it didn't have the cork hat, I'd it be very disappointed. It had a cork hat. Little, little cork hat. I yeah. don't know. I'd, I kind of want it to look like an anime version of Steve Irwin. <laughs> he, no, he did. He had like the. He had like um, yes. basically the Steve the Irwin keys. kind of car keys. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah fair enough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so look. Um, now that that's out of the way, let's go back to some of the more serious ones. <laughs> so, um, war, war is sort of represented in a very unusual way in Japanese media. So, like, we've got things like, you know, um, Saga of the Tanya, The Evil, Joker Game, um, Full Metal Alchemist, Helsing. Um, the list goes on and on and on, on but and there on. are many different ways that it's shown. Um, prime example, Metropolis, which um, is quite old. Um, now by modern standards as far as film goes, that that has moments in it which take elements of World War II, uh, such as the letter drops by the Allied forces over Japan, along with protests and the way things were dealt with, and adds that to the film as part of the things going while things are going berserk. It's quite surprising. And it also, actually from memory, it showed like... Um, a very sort of trippy scene of people shooting and stuff like that as mm. well. So a lot of these take elements from the world wars and use them as a way to deliver their narrative. I think it's kind of, um, as we mentioned before, it's pretty ingrained in their culture. It's like it's going to be part of their stories in some way or another at every now and then. Yeah. It um, kind of reminds me of... Uh, there's a quote by J.R. R. Tolkien. Mm. I was just about to talk about Lord of the Rings. Oh, nice. you were? Yeah, no, go, go, go. Oh, no, no, because uh, <laughs> Tolkien says that he fundamentally hates allegory. He mm. was not writing this as an allegory, but anyone who reads it can see World War II and, like, Britain's involvement in World War II and stuff like that in it. And yeah, yet Lord he of the would Rings deny is it. just World War II. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So what is the ring, then? Uh, addiction. Substance abuse. So I'm led to believe. But why are they taking it to Germany? <laughs> I'm, okay, I'm not really sure on the like. <laughs> I'm sure there's someone on Reddit that can tell you all about this. I'm sure this. there is. Yeah, there's uh, someone who's done a full <laughs> decode deep dive into it. But yeah, and you'll be so like, if you don't have a really high intelligence, you can't appreciate it. <laughs> well, but like so the sort of thing is that it is just fundamentally ingrained because. Because people live through it. Exactly. Yeah. That is his experience. That is his world. That is his history. And so it is going to be part of his media, whether he says so or not. Mm. Now, I mean, let, let, let's talk about Sorry, a couple man. of these series. So, mm, um, Saga of Tanya the Evil. Now, we haven't watched a lot of it. I know a little bit about it. It's a little bit strange. It's an isekai, technically. <laughs> it's a guy who gets reincarnated into a girl, which straight away kind of sent warning signs up for me. Uh, young, small girl. Yeah. Uh. Lowly Tourette. Um, but he's re reincarnated into a small German girl in the war. Yeah. And that's super interesting. Except that there's mages as well. And um, then there's like magic. It's yeah, a bit strange. It's a bit strange. But um, yeah, it's, it's taken... a lot about it is uncomfortable. I mean, J Japan, let, let's be honest, like with Isekai in particular, Japan does have a love affair with the idea of the Germanic fantasy settings. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, even um, Attack on Titan immediately goes for all the Germanic names as well. Um, so it, it's I mean, not that surprising. Sidebar and Attack on Titan. Mm. 
y'all, that's real anti-Semitic. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there's there's yeah. a lot of uh, parts of World War Two also an Attack on Titan as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Joker game, I'm not too sure on. Joker game's interesting. It's like set before World War Two. Um, it doesn't really talk about the war as much, but it's more about the espionage and spies, and they're all really pretty boys, and that was kind of the point. Yeah. To make pretty boy spies. Um, but you mentioned like dramatic setting. And mm. I want to like just ramble off a cu- couple of these boys. Yeah. Um, because uh, Is That of the Last Witch yep. is uh, very much like a fantasy dramatic setting uh, of the war and it's in World War II. Um, House of Me Castle, if you haven't considered that, yeah. is yep. a World War II anime and you can't. World say War II, World War One, yeah. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Like I'm pretty sure it's like between. Kind of, it's it's like a World War One ish kind of fantasy, it, it, but it's, it's running it's taking along the aspects background. from both yeah. of them, it, it, as yeah. opposed to giving it a place in time. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's just it's got those influences on it as well. So, and if you don't remember that being part of the movie, go back and rewatch it because it's it's there. You, it's you just get in to that halfway background. point, you can't miss it. Kind yeah, of, absolutely. Kind of, yeah. Uh, took up most of the third act. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Football Alchemist, almost all of that. Oh. Whether you talk about the original Brotherhood or the sequel movie, that is. I rewatched. Why I did not I enjoy know. it. <laughs> so, Conqueror of Shambhala is so strange. It was a choice. And for p- people that haven't watched uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, which is the remake of the original Studio Dean series from 2003, uh, Brotherhood is the actual story, the yeah. canon story based on the manga, whereas the original kind of went off on its own. And Shambhala, the movie, was the sequel to that. And they decided to pack all this information in, in the... In the movie, and Ed- Edward is in Munich in 1940s yeah. Germany, and now so he's, there's Nazis, and Hitler rocks it, it, up. It's and just if, if you haven't seen the original Fullmetal Alchemist series... Um, Don't watch the original. Oh, um, look, I, I, still, I still think it has well, a because place. It, because it ends like this. Yeah, yeah the, the look, ending look. is so bad. It's, it's like, play Mass Effect 1 and 2, to skip 3. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, the beginning of your original Fullmetal Alchemist. Really it has a lot to offer, yeah. and a lot more that even the uh, at Brotherhood no, sort I of skips over. That. I would agree with that. It just... I, I, I feel like so they, they complement each other, but you'd watch um, f- the original Fullmetal Alchemist as a way to learn about some of these other stories which aren't told in it. Exactly, yeah. yes. Um, because they were like, well, you already know it. We're not going to go over it again. But the, the way it ends, and I don't mind spoiling this, and if you don't want to um, skip ahead about a minute, um, essentially, um, from memory, Ed uh, trades his entire life to restore Alphonse. Um, and that sends him into the real world. Yeah, into our through, universe. Through the um, alchemy kind of black door. Yeah. Uh, ends up in Germany. And then kind of, and he doesn't have his army's legs. He has to make his own robotic legs. Alchemy doesn't exist in our mm. world. Um, he meets up with these Romani people. And mm. that's really cool to see as well. So it, it has like some interesting aspects, but it is also But then they're really like, yeah, odd. Hitler's here. It's, like, it's just, it what? raises a lot of questions. Oh, and Maze, the, um, mm. uh, who's just an uh, angel, he's the dad with the pictures of his um, girl all the time in oh, yeah, Fullmetal yeah. Alchemist, and he's so cute. Uh, he is a Nazi <laughs> in this movie, and oh. I hate it so much. It sucks a lot. That is not cool. It's that's really bad. That's um, a bad. Yeah, so it's, it's, really, it's really interesting, and it brings a lot of... Uh, interesting parts of World War Two in to the former Alchemist universe, but I didn't like it. Yep. Whereas if you look at like Brotherhood and you look at their parallels with World War Two, obviously you've got your they call the the leader of the military the Fuhrer. Yeah. I mean that's hello. Uh, they yep. look like German military uniforms. Um they're called dogs of the military. The way that they're obsessed with 
um, having these blonde hair, blue eyed kind of characters, and then mm. all the Ishbalans are exterminated, and that's <coughs> obviously uh, standard for the Jewish population and such. But um, yeah, yeah, so it's, it's on the nose. Like it they, is, they know yeah. exactly what they're doing with this story and the human experimentation, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. so go back and watch Brotherhood with the war idea yeah. in the back of your mind. Um, Helsing. Um, so, yeah, so much fun. I, I'm I'm one of those fiends who didn't watch Ultimate. Um, it is on my two watch list, but that's because I enjoyed the original Helsing so much. And ah, then Ultimate is where it's at. And that has literal Nazis in it. I think similar to Full Metal Alchemist, both series have something to offer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's they've got that fantasy, alternate reality, alternate history. Uh, what if we had Nazis, but there was also vampires? <laughs> um, and look, and this, the clan. This, <laughs> this is the first one we've talked about so far that is like just over the top, dramatic. Let's just kill Nazis yeah. with guns and vampires, and it's silly and it's great and it's a lot of it's, fun. Very violent. It though. is like an enormous, like big, bloody power fantasy, but there's a certain kind of catharsis to it, which is irresistible. You could mm. watch it after you finish Grave of the Fireflies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or watch Abridged because that's just as good. Yeah. Um, so look, I mean, th- there's obviously a whole other range of ones we could mention like we could talk about space where you've got the in, in the space genre legend of galactic heroes crest of the stars um space battleship yamato mm-hmm. mm. um or in the mecca you've got code gears which is as uh you pointed out was mm. an alternative history Love essentially code gears, yeah. um then there's gundam which definitely has war as a big part of it um, macross so. um and if we, you want to just go on like your classic sort of fantasy sword style stuff you've got kingdom which is ancient asian warfare berserk which is game of the throne style fantasy um, very strong tactical military stuff in that as well um, Arslan Senki the list goes on and on and mm. on um, but we could keep hamping on about this for the whole thing but what we are going to do now is we're going to talk about a film that we watched and one that we haven't mentioned up until this point because it's a recent film and it's about the bombing on Hiroshima and it's pretty incredible Kawaii Fi Radio We'll be there on time 20 minutes of ads. Cinema Club. Man, you guys remember cinema ads? Do you remember the cinema? Oh, man, I remember leaving the house. Remember leaving the house? I remember. (laughs) We we pretty much leave the house and go to each other's houses and that's it at the moment. Yeah. I mean, we we are very lucky. We're in Western Australia, so we're in one of the few places in the world which is not struggling with coronavirus at the moment, but we'll see what happens. It's present, but it's... It's it's present, but we don't have community transmission. So for us, cinemas are opening again. Um, unfortunately, there's, there's nothing. There's nothing to show. To show. So we're getting yeah. all the old <laughs> movies back. But this is not a complaint. We are not complaining. We're, we're not very complaining. blessed. <laughs> I'm very, very pleased to be uh, going back to the cinemas and watching Back to the Future again. Or uh, I hope that wasn't sarcasm in your voice because I would love to watch Back to the Future right now. <laughs> I would love to. I, I went and saw it for the uh, 50th anniversary. I think it was. Um, but yes, I, I digress. So we are talking about a wonderful film from 2016 by Mappa. In this corner of the world. And, oh, this this, this is, was amazing. This is kind of why I like doing these little uh, research trips. You find gems like this which you hadn't heard of and haven't watched before and then are just 
introduced to something pretty magical. I now, can't believe I hadn't seen it. Yeah, <laughs> same. Now, if, if you haven't heard of In This Corner of the World, um, it's, uh, well, as you can probably guess, it's related to the war, it's related to the Hiroshima bombing. Mm-hmm. Um, you can grab this on YouTube Red um, for $2. Oh my gosh! So it's it's dirt cheap, um, and I'm pretty sure it's also available on all the other platforms you'd expect as well. This is, so. and yeah, this is something that is worth watching. I'd actually put it kind of ca- uh, categorically in the same field as Grave of the Fireflies. Oh yeah, it, mm. I mean, it, don't get me wrong; it's not as so. Grave of the Fireflies puts you right in the heart of the disaster. Whereas this uh, shows you a lot more of the human side of people who weren't living bang in the middle of Hiroshima. But living alongside it. But living alongside Mm -hmm. it. Um, And there are some scenes in it that are... I mean, there's so many funny scenes in it and laughter and showing you that yeah. even in these d- those dark times, there was humanity. There was the, you know, there was laughter. There was love. There's glimmers of hope and imagination in the mm-hmm. darkness, which is... It really showcases the, um, the strength of the Japanese people, which is something that they're obviously mm. very proud of and something that's very core to them. And that is, you know, we will push through anything. We will survive. We will keep going. Um, we're proud of our country. We're proud of what we're doing. Mm. And we will, we will persist. And I think that is something that is really showcased in this movie is all of the characters just keep trying and keep surviving to mm. keep going. And it's... Hard to watch, but it is beautiful. And the characters themselves, it's like you suspect that there is sort of like a single note to them, but no, they are so varied and very, very deep. Like even the ones that you feel like you're going to hate, you feel happy to see them again on screen. Mm. Like Keiko was like, the moment she was introduced, you're just like, oh, she's designed to be disliked like the aunt in Mm. um, Grave of the Fireflies. But... This isn't like that where it's one note where all the characters develop. Mm-hmm. They all change. They all evolve. They learn. They become, you know, the people they become from their experiences, because, which is great. Because they're not characters. They they're don't not. feel like characters. They actually feel like people. They, they feel do. like people that aren't, you know, yeah, they're not black and white. This is a bad person. This is a good person. They are people with their own flaws, their own strengths. Mm. And you feel so related to these these characters. So we got ahead of ourselves. We got too excited to talk oh, about yes. it. Oh, yes. Let's, uh, let's so go back to stuff. Um, story time, yes. I should say. Uh, this story follows recently married Suzu, who has moved in with her um, quietish kind of a husband and his family, moving away from her home in Hiroshima to Kuro, uh, about 20 kilometers away from mm. Hiroshima. Uh, she struggles to find her place in this new environment among um, seemingly pretty cold and harsh family members and surviving amid the rapidly diminishing food rations and the effects of the war, which is becoming more and more obvious in their lives as time kind of counts down. And yeah, th- that was like such a defining thing about this is that it showed you the date of like each day that was happening, kind yeah. of like counting down to the events, but also make it seem kind of journal-like. Mm. Like yeah. each of these little events and stories was just... A part of life. Yeah. It's a, just, just sitting there watching and expect, like, you just know the impending doom's coming. You mm. know something's going to happen because you starts, yeah, what, like 33? Yeah. And you're like, this is her as a kid and she's happy and this is her family sea- seaweed farm and look at them having a great time in Hiroshima yeah. growing up. And then, you know, it skips, what, eight years or something's her getting married. Um, and mm. then it keeps going down months 
go over or even just day by day and then you can see it ticking down yeah. to August 6th, 1945 and you just know that you know what's coming and you're mm. so worried for these characters. And it's not just uh, it's not just like the ticking time bomb, so to speak. It's that you get to see the characters change and develop and progress so naturally in this frame of time. It's... Yeah, I mean, uh, the other thing as well is that this is a fictional account, but the official guidebook for the film claims that the episode, that the episodes and background of the story, so the episodic information and the stories on specific dates, are based on facts and real incidents of the lost townscape of pre-war Hiroshima and people's stories from that mm-hmm. time from their journals. Yeah, there was a little bit of an anecdote. Uh, the uh, director, Susano Katabuchi, uh, he tried as accurately as he could to capture the townscape. Mm. to the point where he uh, did over 20 revisions of one scene and talked to, um, he got in contact with 10 elderly residents who were who had been living in that place at the time just for the details of one shop. That's awesome. Mm. That's Miyazaki-level like, yeah. dedication. This is this guy's like third film as a director. Wow. This That's is like awesome. his third piece. Like he's been on a bunch of other things. In fact, I think he was on one other Miyazaki. I will have to probably mm. check that later. But I, I, one thing I actually really liked about the film is that it showcases Japan's you know traditional culture. It's the history, the the world they lived in that you know the trees and the environment they were surrounded by as opposed to just you know going oh yeah we're in the city. Like it shows mm. like the world they live in and it contrast that so strongly against the destruction of the war. Yeah, it's uh, instead of being like the war is a very, very dramatised thing in our culture, in mm. cinema in general, this was more of like a very um, uh, ground level kind of a perspective. Yeah. yeah, and it was also like it is what it is. Mm. And um, a lot of the, I, f- I feel like we could break down the the movie into like a few different segments and that's like pre pre war where she's getting married or growing up or whatever mm. and then there's during the war and then there's um different parts that happen in there as well but during the war before the bombings they're just kind of dealing with okay there's another air raid oh it's another air raid every night get up get into the bomb shelter you feel mm. their frustration you feel their frustration and it's watching them build a bomb shelter yeah like. yeah <laughs> and it's just these these little tidbits that i feel like we get a lot in western media when looking at for example you get a lot of movies uh in set in britain yeah talking about uh, people dealing with air raids and stuff like that as well but i haven't really seen many uh perspectives from japan about doing with the same yeah, thing practically yeah. none at all yeah i think it kind of was a passing line in grave of the fireflies and like like well, one of ov- the ma- obviously the starting bombing but then there was a passing of someone saying oh the war's over and this place has been bombed or mm. oh do you remember the bombing of this place and yeah. so on yeah whereas this is like you can't exactly say moment. it's ground zero but it, it is i guess well yeah. i mean the the thing about um kure is that it was the japanese port it was like where they built the ships and repaired them and sent them off to battle so it was kind of at the forefront and it's a surprise that hiroshima got the bomb and not kure mm. because when when you look at how important kure was as far as like military importance it was up there it's because um, uh there was more people in, in Hiroshima, in, in Hiroshima yeah, which is yeah. the worst to think about. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yikes. Anyway, anyway, let's talk about the animation because, oh, my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> this is, um, we were saying that we had kind of like a very storybook kind of a style. Those yeah. 
like very thick lines around the characters. See, it's it, it's, it's not uh, like it, it'd be rude to say it was a basic style of animation. It's a simplistic, minimalist, minimalist. It it's looks like a watercolor painting. It yeah, looks like a stunning. very very early form of like your Japanese kind of uh, comics and cartoons that yeah. were probably around in that time. That's exactly now that what I think it is. about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, this is 2016, so they've purposely went and made it look like that. Mm. It, it's not a case that you know it's an old film where you know okay it will look like the time it was made and no it's 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 a period piece in a way. Mm. Mm. Oh my gosh! And there's Suzu. I love I love Suzu as a character, and we can talk mm. about that in a second. But she um, loves drawing mm. and painting, and she'll often she's got a very imaginative uh, kind of view of the world, and she's got a crazy imagination, and she'll think about drawing this like birds or whatever, and then there will be a animation of how the sky turns into a painting and she'll mm. see these like colors splashed around everywhere and such like that as well and it's animated so beautifully it's, it's incredible. magical yeah. yes and just Props her to Mappa. personality in general she <laughs> is she is such a dork she's so i love funny. her she, she's, she's just so like ah, she's very airheaded she'll focus on like what she's imagining or what she's drawing and then just go oh wait well, where am I? <laughs> well, like, when we were watching this, when she gets married, because, she's, I mean, traditionally, um, uh, she's 18, she turns 18, someone comes to their house and is like, hey, someone's said they want to marry you, so go marry we're going to go, here's your wedding kimono, we're going to go to their house, we did it, you did a marriage, you live here now. And it was like, oh, wow, that was... That was quick. There was yeah. also First time this they meet. really beautiful line about um, the grandma's like, you know, if he asks if you have an umbrella, say, yes, I've got a new one. Mm. Um, and it's not what you think, but the symbolism throughout it is what you think. Mm. Um, it's really beautiful. It's uh, probably the most, uh, I think it's probably the most thought out way I've seen someone address um, intimacy mm. during a first night. Mm. But... And then there was something to do with that line, which was sort of like a uh, little underlying theme throughout the show. It's sort of like the style of their humor where something serious comes up, like he finally mentions the umbrella mm. and then she presents an umbrella. And you think, OK, so what was the whole umbrella to symbolize? He uses it to bring some uh, dried permacents from outside. He like uses the yeah. umbrella to grab some permacents. There's sort of like a constant thing where they just fake out the audience with mm. serious sounding things which turn into like these moments of levity. Um, just like lighthearted, yeah. Like really Suzu sweet. is caught uh, sketching the shore because she's an artistic sort. She likes to draw. And the military, the, police, on the, on the, straw. the military yeah. police like stop her. Like they accuse her of espionage. They drag her home like, and are shouting are at her doing? parents You're and stuff spying. like that. Yeah. Mm. And everyone is like looking really, really downcast they don't want to look up and then when the mps leave they crack up laughing because burst into laughter. they've been holding yeah. it in for the whole time and just trying not to yeah. laugh how it's could she be a spy she's such an airhead just head. look at her like it's i think so it's funny. because i was stuck in the mindset of uh grave of the fireflies i'm thinking mm. oh this oh is going to be serious and bleak and they're going to they're going to punish Susie. they're going like, to punish her they're going to blame gonna... her for something horrible but no her family's <laughs> going to turn against her her mm. new like sister-in-law and her new mother and she's just going to start to become friends with them and become part of the family and then they both just die laughing because they're <laughs> like I cannot believe they thought you were a spy this is so stupid this is so funny <laughs> and the husband comes home and he's like 
turns away and he's like trying not to laugh as well. And you're like, oh my God. Oh, and, and, then, and then the father-in-law comes home and they're like, we have to tell him. We have to tell this guy too. It was, yeah. So this like... There this was something so real about it. It is, mm. exactly. These, these characters are human. And that's why like if someone said, you know, what, what movie should I watch? out of all the things that we've talked about today, mm-hmm. this this is the reason why we're spending more time on watching this corner of the world because it it's a beautiful movie. Mm. It's amazing animation. The characters are fun. It is also so tragic in, in some moments, obviously, mm. as well. Oof. We can touch on that in a second. But unlike Grave of the Fireflies uh, or some of the others we've mentioned, it doesn't leave you feeling like there's no hope in the world. Like, no. It, it, it yeah. leaves you in a place where you can feel hopeful yeah it gives you an opportunity like the, the way it ends is actually really beautiful yeah it was beautiful it's i like cried a lot many horrible things do happen yeah but there is this whole sense of carrying on thereafter and mm. it's very touching yeah mm. just keeping on moving on now um there are two versions of this film we discovered yeah i discovered that one pretty late yeah <laughs> um there's an extended version uh titled as in this corner and then in brackets and other corners of the world, and that was released in 2019. Now I can't find that anywhere online yet. I think it was a cinema exclusive, and we'll have to wait for the Blu-ray release mm. whenever that comes, because mm. that was December 2019, and uh, 2020 happened. So it did um, happen. So It'll we be a while. we watched the original one, which was 129 minutes. The extended version is 168. I'm minutes. so interested to know what was we haven't added. seen. Yeah. I, yeah, it's the name sort of implies that we'd be getting perspectives from other people. Ooh, mm. I wonder if it's Mizuhara, you know, her friend who yeah. is um who joins the navy and goes off to China. To I was Manchuria. thinking yeah. I was thinking her and perhaps a bit more about Lin. Oh, uh, yes. the, uh, Lin Lin would be good as well. Lin is a really interesting character. She's a a young girl um who is the same age as Shizu and Shizu gets lost cuz she's an airhead and she always gets lost when she's mm. walking around the city and she stumbles into the red light district but she doesn't you realize it it's the red light district or know what it is and mm-hmm. lynn is a sex worker and obviously it was a hard time for sex workers um in in this time and she just kind of hangs out with her and she draws her a picture and it's a really sweet interaction mm. that they have um and i'd really like to see more of lynn's story Th- there's a lot cool. showing their um the, the, a lot of these characters have interconnected stories yeah. where they've met people before. Well, it's, a, it's a community. And I feel mm. like that's like when you watch this, you do get that because these people live in this community and you see, you know, the, the old ladies that she has to work with when she's working the ration station <laughs> and you see them kind of walking around as well. And yeah, it's nice. A couple of other details <laughs> about this. Uh, this project was actually announced uh, late August uh, 2012. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. But it started crowdfunding, and this is how the movie was actually produced in March 2015. Oh. It um. <laughs> so it almost didn't get made. Oh no! This thing, this thing absolutely got made. Its oh. uh, <laughs> its goal was a uh, 20 million yen just to get started. They made 39 million in about 11 hours. Oh Ooh. wow! It's um. Yeah. Yeah. People liked this idea. There oh, was that's a awesome. there was a second one uh to um, ad- advertise it overseas in America. They crowdfunded for the um, director to um, head overseas to that. Oh, that's oh. so fun. Ten hours. Ten, Ten hours. million yen. <laughs> that's fantastic. It's just like, holy heck. The yeah. weebs have power. <laughs> Weebage. But also, that's, that's great. Like, So this was 
something like really, really big and talked about in Japan, but mm-hmm. I'm still so surprised I hadn't heard about it until very recently. Well, in this corner of the world, yeah. <laughs> we, don't, we don't get a lot of anime announcements, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, this look. is why people should rely on channels like ours for their anime news. Wink. Yes. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. <laughs> um, look, uh, th- this is one of those films that you just have to watch. Like I, I feel like you'd be missing out if you didn't, mm-hmm. and I, I I would happily watch it again. I mean, unlike Grave of the Fireflies, which I love that film because of what it brings, it's so hard to watch. Mm. It's it is one that I think we yeah. said that you kind of have to watch to kind of get that story. Well, also mm. to understand when people say this is a sad movie, and you're like, oh sure, whatever. Yeah. Whereas when you watch it, you're like. Oh, this is the the pure expression of human tragedy. Yeah. And I feel like you still get this from in this corner of the world, but along with also the joy of living and why you mm. want to keep living. Whereas mm. Grave of the Fireflies just makes you want to not. But look, um, as, as we mentioned, um, even though, well, now, now I know why it's available so cheap on like YouTube Red and um, on the other platforms. It's because it was crowds, crowdfunded and they're not sending all that money to a big studio. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, $2, probably the best $2 you'll spend. Um, to be honest, to watch it. Do it. $2, cash. Um, <laughs> highly can recommend it. It's In This Corner of the World, released in 2016. Uh, MAPPA did the production We've for mentioned it. MAPPA like four times in this episode. Uh, well, like, we love MAPPA. They're so good. We just love MAPPA. Like, I mean, some people do think MAPPA are just a middling studio. To them, I say no. It's really my favourite studio. It, yeah, it's pretty much my favourite. Let's go. Okay. Uranice, Banana Fish. Yep. Um, Dodoro. Yep. God of High School at the moment. Um, also did um, Dororo. No, Dororo was done through another one, but they were associated with Yeah, they were. Twimagin. Yeah, yeah. They were. They yeah. also did it as well. Oh, man. They're just. They're so just. Good. They've done so many good things recently. But um, look, check it out. Uh, 129 minutes. If you can find that extended edition, uh, please do. Let, um, us, let know. us know. We'd <laughs> yes. love to know. We Send watch us a it. link. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, we will leave that tale until another time. And we'll be right back after this. Kawaii Fi Radio. Well, that's where we're going to leave things for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Mm -hmm. Next episode, we'll be sharing our favourite happy anime to help you stay happy and good. Yeah, we uh, we need a nice little palate cleanser after this. Yeah, a bit of a hard episode this week, guys. And I know we talked about a difficult topic, but we wanted to make sure that we mentioned such an important part of history. Especially with it being such a big anniversary for us. Yeah, and so we really want to make sure we talk about that. And we are halfway through a really hard year, 2020, it's been rough. So mm. uh, we f- figured a time for a bit of happiness and serotonin. So we're going to talk about our favorite things. <laughs> I like th- These are a few of my favorite a things. Few of them. And um, if you like what you've heard so far, don't forget to like and subscribe us to get all our latest on your favorite device. Uh, head over to our Instagram and Facebook pages as well for videos and more breaking anime news. Mm-hmm. You've been listening to Kawaii Fire Radio. Thank you for joining us. And until next time, watch, watch some anime! anime.